Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. $51 million super yacht sank gas tanker in Bahamas. Pension resolution clears obstacle in Puerto Rico bankruptcy. Bail to save U.S. Virgin Islands government employees' retirement system ready for Senate action. Central Bank of Barbados hosting discussion on role of trade. And Puerto Rico requires boosters in health care. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, December 29th. We start a report today in the Bahamas. Caribbean National Weekly reports that a 207-foot, $51 million superyacht Utopia 4 rear-ended and sank a gas tanker off the coast of New Providence in the Bahamas last Friday. According to a statement issued by the Ministry of Transportation and Housing, the Bahamas Office of the Attorney General has been consulted for legal guidance. The Port Department has begun the formal investigation into the incident, and the Department of Environmental Health is also conducting a review of the environmental impact. These activities are currently underway, the ministry said. It is unclear what speed the yacht was at at the time of the collision. A statement issued by Maritime Management LLC managed the ship. The motor tanker Tropical Breeze said the vessel was struck at 10.03 p.m. on Christmas Eve by Yacht Utopia 4, approximately 50 miles north-northwest of New Providence. The catastrophic force of the collision pierced the stern of the tanker, causing the tanker to sink in the ocean floor, an estimated depth of 2,000 feet, the company said. Media reports in Guyana said two Guyanese nationals, identified as Chief Engineer Colin Ward and Joshua Campbell, were evacuated from the fuel tanker and that all crew members were also rescued. According to the maritime management, the tanker's cargo included all non-persistent material, liquefied petroleum gas, marine gas, and automated gas, all of which are lighter than water and will evaporate if exposed to surface air. The statement added that the vessel, which is registered in Belize, was recently expected in December of this year and was found by the authorities to be fully compliant with all national and international safety and vessel integrity standards. Due to the depth of the ocean at the location of the sink, it has been determined that the tanker cannot be safely salvaged, the company said. The Ministry of Transportation and Housing for the Bahamas said that the update will be provided upon completion of local investigations. The bond buyer reports that Puerto Rico bankruptcy judge Laura Taylor Swain approved a settlement between the Oversight Board and the governor on contested pension laws, removing a large roadblock to the island's bankruptcy deal. Under the deal, Swain declared that laws illegal with the stipulation the board and the Governor Pelosi would craft a deal for a better employee pension and compensation. Swain signed the proposed stipulation and order on Tuesday. In contention were Acts 80, 81, and 82, which promise improved pension for government employees. The governor signed laws in August 2020, but subsequently agreed not to implement them before reaching a deal with the board. On December 16, Governor Perlusi signed the Puerto Rico Senate resolution that required partially implementing Act 80 within 30 business days, which the board said would have cost about $8 billion, which the island could not afford. Puerto Rico Governor Pedro Pelusi reached a deal on employee pension 
pensions and compensation that removes an obstacle to approval of the proposed plan of adjustment. Bloomberg News also reports that in a written statement, the board said that it is pleased to have reached an agreement with the administration of Governor Pedro Perlusi that creates an opportunity to provide additional retirement benefits for certain government employees in a fiscally responsible way. The agreement reached will avoid cost and time-consuming litigation and a potential delay in confirmation of the plan of adjustment to reduce Puerto Rico's debt and end bankruptcy, the board said. According to the terms of the settlement, the board will attempt to reach an agreement with the governor within 60 days to provide improved retirement benefits to police officers consistent with the fiscal plan and the plan of adjustment. The settlement also says that the board and the governor will seek to reach an agreement within 120 days on the enhanced compensation for teachers, consistent with the fiscal plan and plan of adjustment, with the goal of improving public education. Finally, the agreement says the parties will attempt to implement incentives for early retirement when doing so would lead to government savings. According to the agreement, any positions eliminated will not be restored within the affected agencies, authorities, or corporations. We have presented the agreement before Judge Laura Taylor Swain, aware that the laws approved in 2020, despite their laudable purpose, are not entirely consistent with the fiscal plan, Perlusi said. Provided that the agreements benefit the sustainability of debt and the economic development of Puerto Rico, our government will maintain collaborative dialogues with the board. The goal and final purpose of these agreements will always be a better quality of life for all Puerto Ricans and in this particular case, for public servants, police officers and teachers. The board hopes the judge will approve the plan of adjustment in February or March. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that legislation aimed at stabilizing the U.S. Virgin Islands Government Employees Retirement System, sponsored by Senator Kirk Bailey and developed in collaboration with U.S. Virgin Islands Governor Albert Bryan and his team, along with the 34th legislator lawmakers, is now ready to be heard, with Governor Bryan requesting expeditious Senate action. The legislation will allow for the refinancing and restructuring of a significant portion of the debt of the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands at current market interest rates to free up critically needed revenues to stabilize the government of the employee's retirement system in the U.S. Virgin Islands, stated a release from Government House issued on Tuesday night after the administration made further changes to the measure. The U.S. Virgin Islands government employee's retirement system is forecast to become insolvent in 2024, and the proposed legislation should finally address the problem problem that has vexed the territory for years, the administration said. In his transmittal letter to Senate President Donna Fred Gregory, Governor Bryan indicated his pleasure that the legislation has been developed in collaboration with members of the Senate Subcommittee on Government Employees Retirement System, as well as consultation with the Government Employees Retirement System and its actuary, and represents a real opportunity for us all to move past the perpetual fears of what might come next. 
banks should the long-predicted GERS insolvency become a reality. It is my hope that the legislative branch, executive branch, and the Government Employees Retirement System can collaboratively and corporatively work on this matter to benefit the retirement system and the overall economic life of the people of the U.S. Virgin Islands and its government, Mr. Brian wrote. According to Government House, of concern in driving this renewed effort at refinancing and lowering the government's debt is the fact that the government employee's retirement system is nearing insolvency and the GERS actuary Siegel and Company has projected that the system would be insolvent by October 2024 or sooner. The Board of Trustees has warned that the insolvency of the government employee's retirement system will necessitate substantial reductions in retiree benefits. Should the government employee's retirement system of the U.S. Virgin Islands become insolvent, retirement payments to retirees will be the responsibility of the government of the Virgin Islands, placing significant new funding burdens on the general fund, according to the transmittal letter. As with previously proposed transactions, the use and pledging of the mass Matching fund receipts from the United States Treasury will be used as the financial base for the transaction, the government house said. The legislation creates a new entity called the Matching Fund Special Purpose Securitization Corporation, which will be a legally created entity separate from the government. That corporation will issue bonds to enable the Public Finance Authority to restructure the outstanding matching funds bond issued by the Public Finance Authority in order to free up resources to be applied to the restoration of the solvency of the U.S. Virgin Islands Government Employees Retirement System without having to reduce benefits, the Government House explained. The legislation enables the opportunity to increase revenues that can be dedicated to the Government Employees Retirement System through the issuance of a Government Employee Retirement System bond by the Public Finance Authority and other entities as an in-kind contribution to the Government Employees Retirement System. Siegel and Company has determined that so long as the matching fund receipts remain, at least at their current levels, the foregoing proposed issuance of the Government Employees Retirement System bond would provide financial stability and liquidity for the Government Employees Retirement System and avoid reductions of retiree benefits. Barbados Today reports that Barbadians will have the opportunity to more fully understand the link between trade and public health, climate change, food security, and other key concerns when the Central Bank of Barbados hosts a role of trade in global public goods. A discussion featuring Prime Minister the Honorable Mia Motley and Dr. Ngozi Okonjo Iluia, Director General of the World Trade Organization, today, Wednesday, December. 29th. Many of the challenges facing developing nations are global in nature, so it is important for us to examine the role that international corporation can play in addressing these issues, said the central bank governor, Cleveston Haynes. With this session, we hope to identify strategies that can encourage the type of multilateralism that will benefit Barbados and other developing nations. Prime Minister Motley has called for immediate action in climate change led by larger, more advanced economies, which are both responsible for it and have greater resources to address it, while Director General 
Onkonjo argues that international cooperation should not be viewed as foreign aid, but rather as a strategic investment that also benefits the nations providing it. The event will be live streamed on the bank's Facebook page and YouTube channel. The National Law Review reports that amidst increasing positive COVID-19 cases in Puerto Rico. Governor Pedro Perlusi has issued an executive order requiring those working in healthcare and education settings to get vaccinated and boosted. Covered individuals must get a COVID-19 booster shot on or before January 15, 2022. Executive Order 2021-082 applies to employees or people working on healthcare setting facilities facilities, including but not limited to hospitals, clinical laboratories, emergency rooms, medical service clinics, health centers, primary care physicians, and specialist office, therapy centers, blood banks, pharmacies, nursing homes, and medical cannabis dispensaries, regardless of their duties, and teaching and non-teaching staff, as well as contractors working in schools, educational centers, and universities, public or private. According to the executive order, individuals are eligible for booster shots if they were either vaccinated against COVID-19 using any of the two doses, FDA-approved or authorized vaccine, and six months have passed after their last dose. Vaccinated against COVID-19 using one dose, FDA-authorized vaccine, and two months have passed since their dose. Individuals who are not eligible to get booster shots as of the issuance of the executive order because of medical conditions or any other reason must get their booster shot within 30 days after they become eligible to do so. Exceptions are provided for medical and religious reasons. Employees, including contractors in the educational setting, qualifying for such exceptions must get tested for COVID-19 at least every seven days using an FDA-approved PCR or antigen test. The FDA-approved PCR or antigen test must be processed by an authorized healthcare provider. Employees, including contractors in the educational setting, seeking an exception or medical or religious grounds, must provide their employer or principal with a negative result at least every seven days. As an alternative, such individuals can submit a positive COVID-19 test result received during the 90-day prior to the submission, along with evidence of recovery, including a letter from a certified healthcare provider or a government government health officials certifying the individual has fully recovered and is ready to appear in public areas. It is the health care employers or educational director or their delegated person's responsibility to request from employees or contractors when applicable a COVID-19 vaccination record card, vacu ID, or any other document showing they are fully vaccinated and obtained a booster shot. Employees who do not comply with the requirements for vaccination or an exception may not work physically at their place of employment. Employees may allow such employees to take all applicable leaves, if any. 
for contractors working in the educational sector. Failure to comply with the vaccinations or exception requirements will prevent them from working physically at the contractor's place of business and for government contractors may result in cancellation of their contracts. Other than establishing these requirements for healthcare and educational settings, Executive Order 2021-082 clarifies that multitudinous activities in a previous executive order means a gathering of at least 500 persons. All outdoor and indoor spaces holding activities, including theaters, amphitheaters, stadiums, coliseums, conventions, and activity centers, must require all attendees to provide evidence of vaccination and a negative COVID-19 test result, as explained in Section 1 of the executive order. Antigua Newsroom reports that all arriving passengers are required to be fully vaccinated with a World Health Organization Antigua and Barbuda Ministry of Health approved two-dose vaccine or a single-dose vaccine to be permitted entry. Travelers under 18 years of old are exempt from the vaccine requirement. At least two weeks must have passed since the administration of the full vaccine regiment. Fully vaccinated travelers must present a negative real-time RT-PCR or an approved rapid antigen test result within four days of arrival. Unvaccinated minors ages 5 to 17 must present a negative RT-PCR or rapid antigen test within four days of arrival. Travelers 18 years and older must be fully vaccinated to travel to the destination. Arriving passengers who have invalid test results or show signs of illness may be required to take a PCR test on arrival at a cost of 50 U.S. dollars for national and 100 U.S. dollars for non-nationals, quarantined for 48 hours while they await their results. Also, travelers who are not staying at an approved certified accommodation may require to quarantine. For a list of certified accommodations, tours, and the latest travel information on travel advisories, frequently asked questions protocols, visit antigabarbuter.com forward slash travel advisory. In related news, the Carib Journal reports that amid the recent Omicron-related jump in COVID cases around the world, the Bahamas has updated its testing rules for travelers. Effective December 27, 2021, all travelers to the Bahamas now need to show proof of a negative test taken and received within 72 hours before arrival in the Bahamas. Vaccinated travelers can present either a rapid antigen or a PCR test. Unvaccinated travelers must present a PCR test. On January 7, 2022, the Bahamas will no longer accept antigen tests. That means all travelers, regardless of vaccination status, will be required to obtain proof of a negative PCR test taken and received within 72 hours to the date of arrival in the Bahamas. And finally, Forbes.com reports Coral Vita, a mission-driven enterprise in the Bahamas, is offering an Adopt-a-Coral program that lets anyone foster a baby coral on their Grand Bahama farm until it's ready to be planted back in the ocean. Co-founded by Sam Teacher and Gator Halpern, who met while getting their master's degree at Yale School of the Environment advised by leading coral scientists, including the late Dr. Ruth Gates, 
the two friends developed Coral Vita as a land-based coral farm model that enables corals to be grown in months rather than years. Their first farm is operating out of Freeport, Grand Bahama, with the long-term goal of establishing more coral farms in other parts of the world. According to Tisher, Coral Vita has been offering coral adoption for quite some time. In 2021, a new model was unveiled to give adopters more than just a personalized certificate. It will also provide access to a member web portal for obtaining updates on their adoption. We really see this as not only an opportunity to fund our restoration work, but also as a greater educational tool, whether people adopt a coral for themselves or as a gift. Teacher also thinks that this new offering as a conservation starter in bringing awareness about the decline of coral reefs due to ocean warming and acidification. Both Tisher and Halpern have their expertise in relation to coral reef restoration. Together, they won Prince William's inaugural Earthshot Prize in the category of Revive Our Oceans. Teacher launched a United Nation-funded coral nursery while working at Eli Africa and Meridus and was a fellow of the Global Island Partnership, a coalition of island nation governments. He also interned at the White House on a Council of Climate Adaptation Policy. Halpern has more of an environmental science and academia background with past fellowships in green innovation at Yale and the World Wildlife Fund's Global Marine Program. With 2022, Coral Vita's plan includes several restoration sites targeted off of the south shore of Grand Bahama and the hope of starting to restore coral reefs further afield on this island as well as throughout the entire Bahamas. For more information on Coral Vita and their coral adoption program, visit their website. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, December 29th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.